Welcome to Speculative Work. I'm James Aaron. I'm a science fiction writer, and this podcast is an author diary of my work, goals, fumbles, and lessons, so hopefully you don't make the same mistakes I did or that I do. Welcome to 2019. This is episode six of the podcast, so I have managed to keep this streak going for six weeks. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about that since, like I said in the beginning, I have not been good at ever keeping a journal or doing things like this consistently. Um, so it's happening. I'm learning some good things about how to make it happen um, and overcome some of the uh, resistance of scheduling, baby, you know, just stuff that has to be done, what day of the week I should do this, communication on needing time to do it, um, all those good things. So it's uh, it's working itself out, which is uh, is good. So because it's uh, we're heading into 2019 and this is a time when you know lots of folks are focused on um, what are their writing goals what do they want to accomplish um, what different things might they try or if they've always wanted to be a writer and had never pursued it um, consistently one of the things that you know is often recommended to new writers is join a writing group join a critique group and um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because um, I have a lot of experience with critique groups and and even maybe the difference between talking about you know a critique group versus a support group versus an accountability group um, because they're all kind of different things and depending on what you want out of it um, I think it's important to really specify what it is the you know what the members of the group want to accomplish and if that's the right fit for you so I'm going to talk about that a little bit um, at one point back in, I don't know, 2014 to 2015, I was in three groups um, at once. They, they weren't all meeting at the same time. I was in a group that met weekly, one that met every other week, and one that met probably monthly. Um, one group was heavily genre-focused, uh, science fiction, fantasy, speculative. Um, one was mixed. We had a romance writer, a post-apoc writer, a mystery writer, um, a solar punk writer. Um, so I learned about that uh, genre. Um, and then the, uh, the group that met monthly was all folks that had MFAs. In fact, I was the only person that had not been through a creative writing master's program. So the way they approached their critiques uh, were very different and interesting to me to you know, be able to uh, observe that and take part in it. And also be a genre writer with um, a bunch of literary writers, which <laughs> I've definitely written you know, literary stuff. At the time, I was focused on genre, and I still am. So uh, that was a great learning experience for me. So I wanted to go over some things, you know, to help someone who might be starting on this journey and stuff that I kind of wish I had known back in 2013 when I basically just showed up at a group called the Wordos here in Eugene, Oregon, which um, has a long history that I'll, I'll talk about and some expectations around that history. So it's late uh, here in Oregon land. Um, just got the baby to bed, so I'm doing my best not to sound beat down and exhausted. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll we'll keep our spirits up here. Uh, but first, I want to uh, touch on some updates. So this last week, I I started actually a annual word count tracker, which is something I've never done before as far as tracking exactly how many words I wrote in a given year. So starting on Monday the first, since then I've written 800 800. 8,975 words. Um, some of that I actually realized kind of a, uh, a problem in just 
pulling the numbers off the word the current word, the word document that I'm working with uh, for my novel in progress, Lunar Crisis, um, because today I cut 2,000 words from the manuscript and then you know dumped in another 2,000 words, and so it just kind of was a glitch there. So adjusted for that. Um, but that was you know today's big decision that is always kind of painful. I don't like to cut words and. You know, working with editors, um, they've recommended like don't, you know, don't cut if you don't have to. But in writing as fast as I do, I've learned that if I am heading down a path that, you know, maybe I had an area that I had not outlined really in a really detailed way. Um, and I find myself heading down a path that is just not going to work or I realize I'm not enjoying it, it's better for me just to cut it and go back and start over again because I can write fast enough that I can pretty much make up for those lost words, but I hate. Go I think it's a waste of time to go back and try and edit something that isn't working um, if it's fundamentally not working. And I realized that it was actually it was kind of a, a place I had put the character and I, I had them like kind of going through a bunch of static scenes that I realized weren't just weren't working. So I needed to get right to, you know, one of the things I learned in critique groups is, you know, it feels like we're walking to the story. It feels like we're waiting for things to happen. And that is something I'm always very aware of when I'm writing, because if I find that I'm kind of like, this feels like a lot of exposition, or this feels like where the characters are talking about what's going to happen rather than actually doing things then obviously I'm telling this from the wrong point in time or the wrong point of view, and I'd rather just cut it and go back and you know rewrite. So that's what I did, um, which kind of messed up my my manuscript word count a little bit. But um, I got to keep those words in my annual word tracker, so my streak continues. Um, I have a new deadline for the novel, which is something I kind of figured would happen. I have learned in our writing process that I kind of have an initial deadline that I'll talk about with Michael Cooper. And then as we get closer to it, you know, his own publishing schedule and the publishing schedule for Wooden Pen Press um, starts to align. And we realize like what time we actually have. Lunar Crisis is a little bit different than some of our other books because I don't have a pre-order deadline on this one, which I have had in the past. So while we've got, you know, this book is in a slot in the overall publishing plan, but we're not necessarily up against a deadline like we would be um, with other books where we were, you know, using a 90-day Amazon uh, pre-order to drive some sales. So we'll see what happens. I mean, right now I had set an internal deadline for myself. I'm halfway through the book and I've got until um, pretty much, I, I want to say like the third week of January, I want to be able to hand uh, Michael my, you know, 95% draft um, so that it's ready for his, uh, his chapters that he's going to add. Um, that's how that has worked, and I'm getting just a much better handle on our process. I mean, seven books in, <laughs> we've kind of dealt with a lot of different things at this point, but um, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on it, so I can look ahead and be ready for when it's time to hand, you know, completely hand the book off to him so he can do the work that, that he wants to do. Um, let's see, today's the fifth, I got paid, that was good. Um, this was not my my best month ever but it was definitely maintaining um overall you know with the level of income that i've been at for the year i think i uh it's certainly more than i made going into 2018 in january so if i maintain this um i'll be on track to um you know once we start adding the new books pretty easily double my income you know once we get to the end of 2019 so 
I'll keep you posted on that. Um, some other things like with the podcast, I've been doing a lot of work just on kind of like getting the podcast squared away. I actually talked about the podcast for the first time on the Keystroke Medium Facebook page, which we were just posting about our goals for 2019. And I mentioned that I was doing it and Josh Hayes, who helps run that, um, the Keystroke Medium podcast jumped on and said, you do a podcast and tell us about that. And so it was kind of an opportunity just to link to it. And from that, I got a couple followers and that was cool. Um, cause it's definitely folks that I would love to be on board, um, with what I'm trying to do here. Uh, and it's something I'll talk about too, when it comes to writing groups is like finding a tribe of like-minded folks that are trying to accomplish the same thing you are. And Keystroke Medium is definitely a, it's a podcast, but it's a, they're developing into a publishing company, uh, somewhat and also just being a place for you know if you write science fiction or I would almost call them like a new Bane you know as far as like if you're familiar with Bane publishing and what you know what they do um, that's definitely you know the kind of vibe and wavelength uh, that the Keystroke Medium folks are on so um, very supportive very welcoming and not at all prescriptive so if somebody comes in with like ideas they want to lecture folks on um that's not what they're about <laughs> so uh but I, I that was really cool i was glad that i got to you know be comfortable talking about that and you know one of the things i think when it comes to promoting your work and i even you know I, one of the reasons i start this podcast saying i'm a science fiction writer is because um even though i'm getting you know i'm seven books in i'm a member of sefwa i'm getting paid it's still sometimes hard to do that. You know, I, I have another career. Um, it takes a little bit of courage to stand up and say, I'm a science fiction writer. And I don't know if I'll ever be fully comfortable with that, you know, when I'm fully paying the bills maybe and I've got, you know, 100 grand saved. We'll see. We'll see what it looks like. Um, but some other work I did on the podcast, I listed it with Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher is basically just another, you know, popular app. And it's one of those deals that lets you set up like your own radio station, basically, of podcasts. There was a hiccup where they've basically got an a online form where you would enter in your RSS feed for your podcast and it should auto accept it, but it kept saying that my RSS feed, which is basically the address for your podcast that you know allows other services to pick it up and aggregate it, uh, it kept saying it was not validating. Um, so something about the way it was reading it wasn't working. So I basically just had to email their tech support and they, they hooked it up. So if you run into that, I would recommend um, doing that. And then I was listening to, um, let's see, I'm going to mess this up. His name is Jim Heskett, I want to say, or Hestet. But he has a podcast called The Juggling Author. Um, and it was an interview in shoot, either the Science Fiction and Fantasy Marketing Podcast or uh, Joanna Penn's podcast. But um, it was an interview, you know, I liked I liked what the guy was talking about. So I went to look him up and I saw that his podcast was listed on the Google Play Store. And I didn't realize that podcasts were part of Google Play now, which was kind of interesting. I, you know, this kind of gets to the way Google does everything, like their bookstores seems kind of half-ass and you know they're offering podcasts but they don't advertise anything about it um but anyway <laughs> i digress i there's a form uh you know if you google it uh you can basically list your podcast with google play and i noticed there aren't of the podcasts that i follow the only two that were in there um were the science fiction and fantasy marketing podcast and i want to say that was it that was the only one like all the other major podcasts that i listen to you know, to keep up with publishing stuff, at least, um, 
were not listed in there, which was kind of interesting to me. So they've got a form. Um, I actually filled it out, I want to say, before the uh, new year. So there was kind of a hiccup to getting it approved, but it's approved now, and so it's showing up in the Google Play Store, which is cool. So that's just another aggregator. Um, I already had the podcast on iTunes, and then Podbean, the service I'm using, um, lists... They, they have an option where you can list with Spotify, and so I did that too. So I think I've got, you know, only on my fifth episode so far, but I think I'm hitting all the various channels that you can list a podcast. And since I got it on Spotify, <laughs> I use Plex for managing my media and whatnot on my TV. Um, and now I can even pull up the podcast and find it on Spotify in Plex, which is kind of neat. And Plex does the same thing. Like it lets you do uh, basically a radio station with your podcast that you want to listen to. Um, the next thing I want to play, figure out if I can get on iHeartRadio um, because that's uh, I've listened to a lot of shows on iHeartRadio, which is another big one. Um, so I'll keep experimenting with that. I don't know if you have, a, have to give up rights to do that. And if that's the case, I will, um, you know, I'll let you know about it if it's something that uh, seems useful. Uh, another thing that I worked on was I, even before I started writing with Michael Cooper and Aeon 14, I have been a Patreon supporter of Quick Sips Reviews, which when I, one of the things when I was in, you know, writing, actively writing short stories, um, this is a website that was reviewing, doing like short reviews of short fiction on a lot of websites that don't get a lot of attention. Like he, Charles, pa- Charles Pager is the writer that does this, <clears throat> excuse me, and he kind of seeks out science fiction, fantasy magazines that are not well, um, you know, well known about, like they're read obviously and they're publishing writers. Um, he does some, you know, all the other big ones too, like Beyonce's The Skies and uh, Apex and, and whatnot. He uh, was kind of doing it out of the love of his heart, but he's a writer as well and I think uh, the reading was part of his practice. Uh, but anyway, long story short, he put, um, started a Patreon and there was basically a deal where if you did $5 a month, you could get an ad on his page and five bucks a month was totally reasonable and I was excited to be able to contribute. Um, and then to get an ad was even better. But I had set up a, an ad where it was basically a link to Insta Freebie and a free short story so that uh, I could build my email list. Well, unfortunately I had not been paying as much attention to that aspect of my Patreon as I should have and I let that ad sit for like a little more than a year. And I, you know, went through different phases like I've talked about with my newsletter and I'm re-engaged with my newsletter, but I am not as interested in pulling generic, you know, just random people, um, especially that read that short story that is not necessarily aligned with the stuff that I'm writing now. So I decided to do an ad on the podcast, um, drew up a new ad. He, you know, did his thing to it, and now it's posted on the Quick Sips review site, which is cool because I'm hoping it might bring in some folks that are also writers. I think it's a you know pretty much directed at that audience, um, and we'll see what happens. But uh, I felt bad because I, you know, I think with any advertising, like it's important to keep it somewhat fresh. And if you have something that's been sitting for a year, that's just way too long, and you got to update those things. Um, so. I was happy, I was glad that I was able to update it, and that's something that I'm gonna to add to my calendar so that, you know, whatever, 90 days from now, I'll do some kind of update. To do a different graphic, at least, uh, it'll be interesting if I can see, one of the problems with 
linking directly to Podbean is I don't know if I can see what my refer links look like, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of traffic I maybe do get from that ad. And regardless whether I get traffic or not, you know, it's a display ad. Um, but uh, it's cool to be on that site. Uh, in fact, he was just, I think he had a story in the most recent uh, Year's Best Science Fiction that's edited by N.K. Jemison. Um, so that's cool. Like he's coming up as well. So I'm really happy to have been supporting him. Um, I have been talked about reading Atomic Habits last week by James Clear. I'm not done with it yet. I wish I could say that I was. Uh, I am three quarters of the way through the book and I just, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, I just finished the section on how your environment influences your habits and then also uh, cue reward loops and how you can stack that um, to basically kind of, you know, influence yourself through a positive environment that reinforces the things that you want to do um, to accomplish the things that you that you want to get done. So um, again, it's a really easy book to read. I've just been, I've actually been reading it to my daughter as I try to get her to go to sleep. And so that's making it very piecemeal. Um, but I'll keep you posted on that. Um, the streaks that I've been working as far as daily writing, as far as uh, exercising every day have actually been working pretty well. Um, I had set up, so I got this app um, called Habit, uh, Habit Builder on uh, Android, and I'll link to that as well, um, which lets you basically have a calendar and then you can have the thing you want to do is its own day in the calendar and you basically just, you know, check it off each day. So for daily things, it's great. For weekly things, it's a little harder to visualize. So for like the podcast, um, I may find something different or maybe say that it's part of like what am I doing daily for marketing? Um, but we'll, we'll see about that. But so far, at least I've been doing all the things that I set out to do. So I'm really, um, you know, we're a week into 2019. We'll see. We'll see how we're going. The other thing I did this week was, you know, because I was spending all this time trying to fix uh, that ad that I had set up through, you know, through Patreon, got me thinking about Patreon. And I realized that probably the time to have a Patreon or when you think you could start using it, you know, you'll probably wish that you had made it a year ago or something. So I went ahead and uh, made a Patreon account. And because one aspect of it is that you do need to secure whatever URL it is you want to use for the project. So like if you're doing an author URL, um, for me, I just did James Aaron, uh, which is really simple. It's easy for me just to say patreon.com slash James Aaron. Um, but whatever you were doing, you could be specific. But as more people find out about Patreon, uh, those URLs could get you know filled up. So you might want to grab it now if you haven't, and then that way you, you have it and it is just kind of sitting there. Uh, you can set it up so that people can just tip you. Um, I don't really plan on actively promoting it for any reason. It was just something that you know sometimes I I'll do something just because I want to figure out how it works. You know, and if I even if I plan to use it or not, um, you know, with some services on the internet, uh, you basically just got to you know, stake your property, you know, grab, grab the username you want. And then if it takes off, it takes off. But at least that way you've got, um, the username that would support whatever project you're working on. Um, I knew a, a lady named, um, Maya that used to just, whatever service would come up, she would grab the username Maya. So she had it. And so that was like what she would collect. Um, which was kind of funny because sometimes, you know, it mattered and sometimes it, it didn't. So, so that was, uh, that was last week. Uh, it, as always, it seemed like uh, it flew by and I had a full week of work as well, um, but got some writing done in there a little bit. Okay, so writing groups. 
why would you want to join a writing group? And I think it really comes down to accountability. Um, and that's where it kind of talk like thinking about different kinds of writing groups that are out there. Because one of the thing, things about a writing group is that different writers are at different places and they want different things. And so you might be in a group with uh, some folks that they've all got a novel they've been working on for years. Uh, they want to basically just keep bringing chapters of that novel, having people read them, give notes, they make changes based on those notes and they bring it back and then basically it just doesn't change. And so that's kind of a, that's a support group. That's a, that's a group of people who just enjoy writing. They probably enjoy the social aspect of getting together. Um, you can meet someplace where you can have drinks, talk about writing and what you've been up to. And, and, and that's enjoyable. There's nothing wrong with that because I think that really gets to just, you enjoy writing. It gets you out of the house. Um, and I think as you've got more and more folks who are retired that are pursuing writing, um, that might be the kind of group that they, you know, gravitate towards. Um, so that would be a support kind of group. I think you'll see a lot of groups like that as well that could be online as opposed to being, um, you know, in, in your city or, or town or whatever, um, where you might just be in a Facebook group or a Slack channel or something like that with folks that are basically just all in the same place talking about writing and just enjoying the fact that they're in a group with other writers and there's nothing wrong with that either. So the support piece of it. Um, I went into it wanting, well, I really didn't know what I wanted, but I learned pretty quickly that I wanted accountability. And one of the things that I wanted to do was set goals for myself and set word count goals, set story goals, set, uh, you know, submission goals, because I didn't know what I wanted as a writer when I, in 2013, when I first started going to the Wordos. Um, the Wordos was a group that had been around for 20 years. It actually started out of the fact that uh, Eugene, Oregon is kind of famous for the fact that uh, Kate Wilhelm and Damon Knight lived in, they moved to Eugene, I want to say in the late 70s, and lived there for the rest of their lives. Um, Kate Wilhelm just passed last year, and I think Damon Knight uh, died in um, early 90s. And if you aren't aware who aren't aware of who they are. Damon Knight was a well-known editor. Um, I think it was Galaxy Magazine. Um, and influenced a ton of, I mean, just one of the, he was a grandmaster of the science fiction writers of America. Um, huge influence on science fiction. And then Kate Wilhelm, uh, so Damon Knight was mostly an editor. He did publish uh, some of his own work. Kate Wilhelm, um, is not for some reason not as famous as like Ursula Le Guin, but she her output was amazing. I mean, she she published science fiction, uh, fiction, fantasy, mystery uh, in, towards the last part of her career, and they together started uh, the, a writers' workshop in uh, at Milford University. I'm, I'm messing this up, uh, but it, eventually it became Clarion, and so they really pioneered what became the Clarion Writers Workshop, which is now Clarion and Clarion West, uh, where if you're a new starting science fiction or fantasy writer or speculative writer, you can apply to this program and go be part of this six week, um, you know, basically uh, camp, summer camp, <laughs> away where you go live in residence with uh, other writers and they bring in writers to teach classes. And it's basically one of those things where, you know, if you're kind of following that, that traditional publishing pipeline, um, getting into Clarion is, you know, if you can do that, that's like, 
just jumping ahead on the Monopoly board when it comes to, you know, connections and learning and, and forming great relationships and things like that. So, um, so they, they pioneered that and to have them, uh, locally, was pretty amazing. Um, Kate Wilhelm had a smaller group that I was really lucky enough to go, uh, workshop, uh, with her, um, a few times. And that was just really, really, uh, awesome. Um, but anyway, so the Wordos, because we kind of had that that foundation here in the area, like Wordos was kind of like a mini Clarion. And one of the things about Clarion is that if, depending on where you are in your life, like you can't just dump your life for six weeks to go to um, a summer camp and, and write. You know, if you have a family, if you have a job, like I don't know that many jobs that just let you take six weeks off. I haven't had those jobs. Um, so it can be hard to do that. And Wordos was kind of a way to get that same experience, um, but once a week. And so we had people that were driving down from Portland, um, people coming over from Eastern Oregon, um, very like people put a lot of effort into this and they took it very seriously. And, um, they were very, they are very focused on the short fiction market. Um, because one of the inherent problems, and this is another thing to think about with a group is it's really difficult to workshop a novel. Like it just is, you know, if you're going to read, if I'm going to read a novel, I really want it to be finished. Um, I need to see it as a whole thing so I can get a sense of what somebody's trying to do in the beginning, middle and end. And if you're trying to do that, like one chapter at a time, it's just impossible. And if you want to give people feedback one chapter at a time, like you, if they don't have a good sense of where they're going, they could completely change the whole book based on the feedback they get. And then if they're also trying to navigate feedback from like, you know, eight people, it's just, it doesn't work that well, at least in my experience. I, I've had a difficult time with it. Um, so the Wordos, I think by nature of that, was really focused and has been focused on short fiction. And they also followed the Clarion model. So the way it works is you bring, you bring a story and Clarion, they would actually read it Everybody goes away, reads the story, and then comes back and talks about it. The Wordos would turn in the stories like the week before. Um, everybody takes them home, reads them, gives their feedback, and and then uh, comes back and talks about it. And so when you talk about the story, you go around the table, and depending on how many people were at the table, um, you might have a minute to talk, two minutes. If you went over, you had to pay money, um, which is one of the ways that we would uh, you know do fundraising. But you would give your feedback and the author could not ask questions until the end. And when the author asked questions, all they could do was ask clarifying questions about uh, things that might've been brought up. So they couldn't say, like, you can't say I meant this or what I was trying to say was this or, um, and so really trying to separate the work out um, and, you know, read it on its own merit, which is, is hard to do. And it's hard to do, like, one of the things about a writer's group is, is another thing to think about is sometimes um, there are different levels of writers there. There people have different ways of reading. <clears throat> Some people have read a lot more science fiction than other people. Um, and then also, are people aware of, you know, that's something I wanted to mention. So going to a group, if you write romance and you go to a science fiction writer's group, it's not going to help you that much because they're not going to give you the feedback that is going to really help you be successful in your genre. Um, so that's something to, to think about. I mean, we had some authors that I think were not served very well because they were getting feedback on a story and all the feedback they were getting was from people that just were not knowledgeable in that kind of story. And depending on that person's 
you know, personality who is giving the feedback and receiving the feedback, um, people can be pretty, you know, one of the things I learned pretty quickly is like we had some people that just seemed to enjoy tearing a story apart. It's like they just didn't take any enjoyment um, out of the act of reading or look for the good things in the story. And one of the things that I've, that I've learned when it comes to critiquing in that style is that I frame it as a matter of uh, what was working for me and what confused me or what was not working and trying not to be prescriptive about how you would rewrite the story, but being kind of personal in your response. So that way they can take it with a grain of salt that, hey, this this was James's feedback. Um, maybe I know James likes this kind of story or like that's the thing, like all these are little weird things come into play about like what kind of story they, they know I might like or I don't like or, you know, I just don't like stories about ducks and this is a story about a duck and it's just, that's not gonna work for me. And that's fine, then don't listen to me and move on to the next person that can give you better feedback. Um, but that, that's how the Wordos operated. And, and we had a lot, of, I mean, the Wordos had a lot of alumni that have gone on to, um, you know, are very successful writers. I mean, continuous, I mean, to this day, like we, that group, um, you know, has a ton of people that are consistently in uh, daily science fiction and they're award winners. And it's a formula that works. Uh, I just realized that I didn't want to write short fiction. Um, at least I didn't want to keep banging my head against the wall of trying to get into short fiction markets when there's so many variables uh, on whether a story is going to get bought or not that go beyond if it was a great story. Um, I was getting passable at it, but I also realized that I wanted to write novels. And I learned about, in 2014, I discovered the whole self-publishing thing and my goals kind of changed. And I had some conversations with folks in the group because one of the things we would do is after we would read stories, we would uh, go to a local bar and talk afterwards, and that was always really fun as well. But, you know, somebody in the group who's, a, you know, has been published and, you know, is just kind of kicking out a story every 90 days or so, just his goal was not to make a living from his writing. And that's when I started to realize that, like, I people in the group have different goals, and I kind of wanted to be around people that had the same goals that I did. And so that's when things started to, uh, to kind of shift for me. Um, some other things to think about is the size of the group, how much uh, time, like how often do you get to submit a story? You know, when you think about consistency, uh, you know, th this quote gets attributed to a lot of different people. I'm pretty sure it's Ray Bradbury that said it, but um, if you try and write 52 stories in a year, there's, it's pretty hard to write 52 bad stories. Um, you're gonna have at least one or two that are good, um, but there's, t there's time you have to devote to that. Like you can't just think I'm gonna join a writer's group and I'll give this, you know, whatever, four hours a week on Tuesdays. Um, it takes time to you know, thoughtfully read a story and give uh, useful feedback. It takes time to write. Um, you know, I could, if I had an idea, and that was one of the things about the group was we, there are so many methods, like we had writers there that were professional writers. Like they would sit down with dice and a list of ideas and roll out three things, um, you know, a character in a situation with a problem. And once they had that, like, boom, there were story, you know, stories going to appear in two hours after they've been working on it. <laughs> and that was something I definitely learned a lot from them um, about that. But you got to recognize that that takes time um, and you got to set aside that time if you want to be successful at it. But I would say that when it comes to critiquing stories and being in a story group, like writing stories, bringing them to the table, getting feedback, um, I started, the other thing I started to realize was that I, 
anytime I tried to rewrite a story and take it back to the table, it was not very productive. And I actually didn't feel like the story was any better than when I had first written it, um, unless it was a plot issue I needed to fix. Um, and also that I just tended not to rewrite the stories. Like I would take the feedback on the story, I would think about it, and then I would just use it when I was writing the next story. Um, and this is something that Eric Witchie, uh, who was also a member of the Wordos and now is a, a pretty famous writing teacher in our area, talked about is that you learn more from critiquing than you do from writing your own stories. I mean, obviously you learn from the writing, but the critiquing and the reading other people's stories and thinking critically about what they're trying to do and how they did it and how the story worked and how it was put together, um, all those things are what will potentially help you more than the writing. Um, but the, the writing's important too, you gotta do that. Um, other things that are really useful with a writing, you know, being in a writing group are opportunities because you're going to get other people that are invested in your success. And um, I think it's important to tell people what you, your goals are. So they, if they see opportunities, they'll pass them on to you. Um, I'm a little bit jaded when it comes to publishing. And I believe that a lot of publishing deals um, aren't always about the, you know, quality of the, of the work or the work is made, you know, made to be uh, quality stuff once it's, once it's bought. But people have to know that you exist. They have to know who you are. They have to like you. Um, you know, people know editors. Editors come to know you. That's kind of that whole process of submitting to magazines is about your name being seen, right? And an editor reads a story and thinks that it's almost there but not quite. And then they read the next story and it's almost there but not quite. And they and they start actually rooting for you. And they look forward to seeing your name because they know that you're on the cusp. And, you know, I've heard editors talk about this. Like they want to be the editor that publishes that first story from a writer that, that clicks, you know. Um, that's the thing that they live for. And so those opportunities and um, that kind of networking is what you're going to find, I think, in a writer's group, at least, you know, with the dedicated writers in your area that are doing that. Um, and then a level of professionalism. Uh, what is the level of professionalism in the group? How well do people take feedback? Do they, how well do they give feedback? Uh, a person who's a jerk when they give feedback is not helping anybody. Um, and anybody who thinks that their their sole purpose in going into a group like this is to, you know, beat people down, make them not want to write, ask them, you know, why does this story even exist? Or I don't understand why you even write. I mean, these are things I've heard people say, which is just crap. You know, I mean, if somebody has the guts to come to a group of other people to say they want to do something creative and then put it out there for people's opinions. I mean, that's the first step really towards, you know, people that don't even do this process and go straight to Amazon and then are heartbroken when they get a one-star review. I mean, this is, um, this is how you build up that thick skin, right? But people need to be professional when they do it. And if they're going to give feedback and when you give feedback, um, it should be useful. So all those things, like maybe I've jumped ahead a little bit of, you know, why you should join the group. But I think that is the, you know, depending on the quality of the group, that is the crash course in being a professional writer, like what it takes to be a professional, to, you know, write work that uh, satisfies an audience. And at least for the time you're in that group, you got to remember too that your audience is that group and you don't want to start writing stuff that only pleases that audience, which is another thing I started to realize I was doing rather than focusing on building my own audience. I was just trying to please these 12 people, um, weekly. So I, I realized I needed to move away from that. So that gets back to, you know, what is the goal of the group? And I think it's, you know, the wordos at least were focused on producing, um, you know, publishable quality short fiction that, and then also on, they had a bunch of different ways to motivate people to submit their work to magazines. And 
every uh, week we would go around and talk about where we submitted and then we would give out candy if you'd gotten a rejection. And the point of that was to try and get folks to understand that rejection is part of the process. And rejection also is not a bad thing, it's just you just didn't sell to that market. And then hopefully they give you some feedback on why it didn't fit that market. Um, you know, now if you're an independent publisher, you've kind of moved that process to the reader and hopefully the reader writes you an email or when you see their reviews, that's how you're getting that feedback. Um, but it's, it's important to know that feedback is part of the process and nothing you write is gonna please everybody. And so you have to really uh, spend time thinking about why you wrote a certain thing or why you made choices and, and hopefully the group can help you do that. I think the last thing to say about it would be having good boundaries um, when you're in a, once you've been in a writing group and especially when some time has gone by. I, you know, don't be afraid to set a time limit on the amount of time you're gonna spend in a group because I think the groups can become really insular. And I even saw kind of weird little personality conflicts play out. And, you know, writers are sensitive people and they, it, it can be not productive. And I think, you know, if you know what your goal is, like I wanna publish a novel or I want to, I wanna publish five novels. Or as soon as I came to the group and started talking about kind of changes that were happening in Amazon and just independent publishing. And some people were on board and some people just their eyes glazed over, you know, and you could tell that, I could tell that this wasn't where I needed to be if I was gonna continue to grow um, to accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish. So it's important to know what you want there and have good boundaries with people. Um, people can also, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's sensitive with, you know, writing. So if somebody's like crossing boundaries with you or like saying weird stuff about your work or getting too attached to your work, like it's important to know that you need to just cut that off. Um, and that's part of knowing when it's time to leave a group. And I think having a, you know, assessing where you're at, if you've set like say a year that I'm gonna work on this or in five years, I wanna be here, you know, in a year I want to have published something in a magazine or on Amazon or I want to have written a novel. Well, if you get to the end of that year and you find out you've just been writing short stories, well, you're not approaching your goal. And so you think about what your goal was and if it's changed and you need to reassess. But if people are invested in your success, they should you know, be glad that you're taking the next step to, to get there. And if people try to, try to hang on to you um, to stay in a group, uh, then that, I haven't experienced that personally, but I've talked to other folks that have kind of experienced that. And you start to, you know, you don't want to be someone else's crutch when it comes to their writing if you need to uh, move on and do your own thing. And I think it's important to, to know that. I mean, when you, when you look for those tribes that are helping you in your different levels um, of your writing, um, just don't be afraid to look around, you know, especially now that we're on, things are online. And I certainly hope that Facebook, you know, dies because Facebook is a terrible way to connect. But right now it is the best way to connect through groups on Facebook for writers. Um, I would say the two big things that, you know, the two biggest things I've done that really affected my professional writing career were joining the Wordos, um, which was my first like commitment to, you know, being consistent and consistently writing and, and engaging with with writing and telling stories. And then joining the 20 books to 50K group um, back in, I think it was either 2015 or early 2016, when I read uh, Michael Anderley's post on the keyboards and um, came over and joined that group. And that's where I finally felt like I was, I found a group of people that were kind of all focused on the same sort of things that I was thinking about. You know, I'd seen that in keyboards, um, but keyboards didn't have the sense of community necessarily that Facebook does. Um, 
but even now that group has grown so huge that it's hard to have that sense of community. I think if you go to the 20 books conferences, you will feel that because it's a smaller group of people. Um, but that was where, you know, people are on the same wavelength, working towards the same goal, sharing information that can help everyone be successful. Um, you know, now it's, uh, and that's the other thing about the wordos that was always kind of a challenge is when you have people that are in very different levels of their career, you kind of find it's, those people that are are writing professionally, they're having success, it's hard for them to stay in the group and kind of receive feedback from people that are brand new or bringing work that is obviously brand new. Um, that's kind of what tended to move people out. And kind of the same thing happens with 20 books where when people start, it starts clicking for them, like they don't necessarily have time to stick around and um, you know continue to give give feedback so if you can catch somebody while you can that's you know that's awesome <laughs> um but yeah so i hope i hope that's helpful i think um i really recommend being part of a writing group and i recommend spending time with other writers um and, and if you don't one thing i did want to talk about was if you don't have a writing group in your area don't be afraid to start one like there are definitely people out there that are working on writing you know you'd be amazed um how many people are either publishing on Amazon or, you know, writing in their spare time. Like there are just more writers now, it feels like than there ever were before, or at least people are talking about it. So like, I've got a, a good buddy that, um, wanted to start a writing group in our area. We, we had a conference and he was basically, he had made a t-shirt and was going around with the t-shirt handing out cards. And then that started the local, uh, Facebook writers group that has been going really strong for about four years now. Um, and then another group that, uh, we have locally, did uh, speed dating for writers where people would basically come in with their genre and their name badge and, you know, speed date and talk about like, hey, well, you know, what are you doing? And seeing about starting their own groups. Um, so that, uh, you know, and then <laughs> it's kind of funny because then you even run into like people that try and poach uh, writers from groups to start in another group. <laughs> um, and that's where you get into the personalities and if people are clicking or not clicking or or whatever. But um, I think there is value in, in setting up a face-to-face -face group. And I think the Clarion model is is good. But I also think that if you are, if you do that and you get to a certain level of expertise, you know, expertise or technical know-how and we got a group of people that are, we run Amazon, we want, or we're publishing novels, we want to make this a full-time career. Well, then maybe your writing group should really be more of a mastermind group. And you're only reading people's work when they really want feedback on specific things, but you might get together just to talk about business or share information that way. And there are plenty of groups like that uh, that are available through Facebook as well. And don't be afraid to ask, like if, if there's a writer that you admire or that you think is doing something that, you know, their career is going in, in the direction you would like yours to go potentially, um, don't be afraid to ask them, you know, what, what they do. You know, they, everybody says that writing is very solitary, but it, I, I feel like in the last few years it's become very communal. And I'm always willing if someone contacts me to answer whatever questions I can um, within the time that I have. You know, if, if there's some way I can help somebody out, I'm, I'm happy to do that. And I found that most most people are as well. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, like other opportunities have come up from that kind of that same thing, just talking to people. You know, I've gotten into anthologies that way. I have um, I mean, other opportunities, like the, being an admin for 20 books basically kind of came up that way because uh, I, you know, had been active in the group and also been in an anthology that Craig Martell put together. Um, and so 
you know, just being consistent, being uh, professional. Um, that was one of the things that Craig said to me in the very beginning. It's like, well, if you can write a story in a deadline and you're professional about it, you're probably going to find yourself in some anthologies, which is pretty much exactly what happened to me. So <laughs> I would recommend that to, uh, to anyone. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, if it, it comes down to it, I say thumbs up on writing groups. And if there's some way that I could be more specific about it, please let me know. Um, and uh, I'm happy to answer any, any questions. So goals for next week, um, continue the streak. I think that's the motto for the rest of 2019, continue the streak. I'll keep, you know, checking off little squares on my, my app on my phone. Um, I'm continuing writing on Lunar Crisis. Um, I've been averaging between 1,400 and 2,000 words a day, which is which is awesome. Going to meet my goal doing that. So I think I'll, I'll actually come in pretty far over 60,000 words by the time it's time to hand it off. So um, that's exciting. Uh, I need to send out a newsletter tomorrow. Um, my plan is I don't have a lot to say, but I've been I've actually been studying like Bain Books' website quite a bit, um, which I sure wish they would update the graphical look of it, but I noticed that um, the first Honor Harrington book is free in ebook on there, so I'm going to put that in my email newsletter and then find some other things to throw out there. I might link to Atomic Habits um, since that's, that book is exactly the kind of organic uh, thing, you know, that it deserves to be successful through organic marketing because um, it's just, uh, I recommend everyone go read that. Um, and then also tomorrow we're recording an Aeon 14 podcast and um, I have to get up. We have a bunch of weird time zones happening. So I'll have to get up at 7 a.m., which means I need to try and get the baby to bed, uh, you know, or at least she'll probably wake up at like 6.30 or 7. So we'll see what happens there. If I get up at 6, I can make sure things are pretty much squared away so I can sneak out to, uh, to talk. Um, and what are the things? So something I was looking at on YouTube is that if I want to have a custom URL on YouTube, I have to have 100 subscribers. So I'll link to my the YouTube channel on uh, in the post here. And if you have a second and you feel so inclined, it would be awesome if you subscribed on YouTube so that I can get to 100 subscribers and not have a weird-looking URL for uh, the podcast. So that would be awesome. And then the other thing I need to do is... Um, I have, a, I have a listener that let me know, um, Lou, thank you so much, that uh, the titles have been kind of messed up on these episodes, so I'm going to, I don't think I can go back and fix the past ones because it will republish them and mess up the RSS feed, but I will fix the titles going forward so they were shorter and easier to read on mobile, um, and we'll go forward from there. So if there's any, any other feedback uh, anyone has, please let me know. I'm happy to hear it. Like I said from the writing group, I'm pretty open to, to feedback on both creative things I try to do. And then in my day job, um, you know, I have to make people follow rules sometimes and that makes people tell them what they think of me. So I'm pretty thick skinned about it. <laughs> Unless you just say, you know, you, you don't like me for whatever reason, you know, you make fun of my mama or something that, that might hurt my feelings. Um, but otherwise, thanks for listening and um, we'll see you next week. Until then, happy writing. Good luck. Mm-hmm.